Today we're going to be addressing the topic that moves us from me to we. Uh, We started this sermon series last week and we said um, our prayer will focus on help me from time to time. Uh, But this week we're going to be talking about what it means to help them or moving from the me to the we. The Christian faith is not meant to be an individualistic faith. It's meant to be relational. It's meant to take place in the midst of community. That's why I think this time of, um, uh, of COVID-19 is so painful to the church because we thrive off of being one with another in worship, in groups, in activities of mission. And we're just restricted right now in being able to do so. But it has underscored how important and how foundational this aspect of the Christian life really is. And at the very heart of our relationship with God and our relationship with one another is prayer. How we communicate to God and how we communicate are our actions of love one with another. Prayer directs us to our basic need for love, but not just any kind of love, Paul directs us to the love of Christ. You know, we've been very uh, um, divided, it seems like, in the last uh, few months particularly. We've been in a very um, contested political period in our country, really at all levels, from the, uh, the presidential elections all the way through the, um, the elections, even, even in our school boards, right? Uh, it's all across the country uh, this time of year, and every four years, it's incredibly intense. This political climate has put us um, in, in need of prayer, I'm going to say this morning, in, in, in really need for prayer, prayer for one another. And I know that we can't come to worship on this Sunday after the elections on Tuesday and not address as a Christian community Uh, what the elections mean, what our political system in the United States government uh, and our citizenship, what all of that means together. And I hope today that this message uh, will resonate with you uh, during this uh, political season. You know, we celebrate the numbers of people who have cast their votes all across the country. More people voted this election season than ever in history. In fact, it, it appears that more people voted for Joe Biden than ever, any, any um, candidate ever. And, and, and second would be uh, President Trump. They, they had an enormous number of people supporting them. And if there was a question in recent years about whether or not the um, citizens of the United States have become complacent related to our responsibility to vote, I think that we blew that one out of the water because we've seen more people vote than ever and we should all celebrate uh, that rejuvenation of our uh, democratic principles. We also found ways to vote in the midst of a historic pandemic, both personal and also through mail-in ballots. We've seen our state governments go to, um, to, to great lengths to make the days that we could vote uh, uh, pre-election day more available and also make the mail-in ballots more available than ever. And as a result, we had more people vote, which put a lot of pressure 
on our processes and structures at the state level. And the campaigns have been especially contentious on the part of, of uh, the candidates and their supporters. We've seen commercials, just been bombarded with commercials. I think we're all thankful that that is done and that we're not subject to all of the commercials that seem to sometimes be so toxic, as well as our posting and uh, back and forth on social media has been nothing short of brokenness. And so today, we all stand in the need of prayer. We all do. And we as the Christian church should be praying one with another. Because just as we've seen our country divided nearly 50-50, some of our churches, and I dare say Lover's Lane might be one of those, is pretty much divided along the same lines. Are we in need of prayer or what? You know, one of the most caring actions we involve ourselves in through Christian community is when we pray for one another or when we pray for another. You know, prayer naturally moves us from me to we. It's a, it's a loving action of lifting another up before the Lord of lords and King of kings. You know, as a pastor, I literally pray for people all the time all the time. And I love to hold someone's hand when I'm praying for them or put my arm on their shoulder or hand on their shoulder. I love to pray for people in the hospital. This is what we do in a part of my, uh, my ministry that I love so very much. And we just haven't been able to do that lately as we would do normally. And I miss it so. You know, I find myself, um, uh, ever since the pandemic uh, started with the closure of our churches and, and uh, of our economy, uh, conducting a Vespers prayer service every, nearly every night at 9 o'clock. And if you'd have told me that I'd be doing for seven plus months now a prayer service every night, I'd say, I don't have time for that. But there's been something about the movement into prayer. And that has really, it, it's filled a void right now in my life of not being with people and praying, but virtually um, I can be with people online. Hundreds of people, literally hundreds of people every night come together for prayer. Prayer is so important. You know, last week I was on my way to East Texas. My, my parents have been a chief concern for me and my family in that uh, my mother's health is waning. And on my drive out, a pastor friend of mine called me just to tell me that he was praying for me and he was praying for my mom and my dad and our family. And it meant so much to me. And I said to him, I said, well, where are you going? He said, well, I'm on my way to Dallas to take care of my parents. And and I said, well, you just know I'm praying for you too. And I'll be holding you up in prayer. You know, as we hung up, I thought, you know, that's the beauty of Christian community, that we can make such a loving uh, extension of Christ's love to another to say, I'm praying for you. And and then the phone rang again, and it was another uh, pastor friend. This was a, 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 a pastor who had pastored my parents, whom they very much loved and Uh, We talked a little bit, and then he inquired. His real reason for calling was to check on mom and dad. And I I told him about their situation, and he said, well, you hug your mom and 
you tell old Don, my dad's name's Don, and he refers to himself as old Don. This is old Don. He said, you tell old Don that he is in my prayers. And so when I got home, I, I did just that. I hugged mom and um, I told dad that his pastor uh, friend of, of uh, days gone by uh, had told me to tell him that he was praying for old Don. And my dad said, well, you call him back and you tell him to pour it on. That is so my dad. And you know, you think about what does it mean to pour it on when it comes to prayer? I know dad was probably speaking uh, about his felt need for prayer, that he was standing in the need of prayer like never before. So you pour it on. But was he also saying that in praying extra fervently, uh, more seriously, more directly, for a greater impact, know how much this feels like an act of love. Know how much I feel loved by your impact of praying for me. So you just pour it on. Simply stating, Dad and his pastor friend were both celebrating their relationship of love, one with another and with God and the church that brought them together. Christians believe in and value prayer. You know, I love this passage of Scripture that Randall read so beautifully for us earlier. Ephesians 3 is one of the great chapters in the Bible. And this 14th verse says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. Paul begins his prayer in this third chapter of Ephesians, uh, by saying to those readers, I'm kneeling before God. With deep emotion and humility, I come to prayer. Paul begins his prayer by kneeling and thanking God for having promised to build the people of the church together to become a dwelling in, in ourselves, in which God lives by the power of the Holy Spirit and works through us. Paul is praying that, that we sense that Spirit deep within us, he says. And kneeling before God is an act of ultimate respect, a symbol of submission. It's saying, in essence, we know we can't do it on our own, Lord. And we know it is only in you that we will find our peace, our comfort, our direction, your will. We may be a bit confused right now about kneeling. It's hard for us to kneel. It's hard for us to come together in the context of community and find ourselves at a kneeling rate. But may we kneel in our hearts. May we come before God in our hearts and say, Lord, we submit to you. We, we humble ourselves before you. We know it is only in you that we can have prayers answered. And we know that we can trust you for those answers. 
what an honor it is to be able to communicate with one's Creator. And that's exactly what we do when we kneel before God in prayer. That 15th verse is another one that I'd like us to look at one more time. For whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So to put those two together, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Paul reminds the Ephesians that they no longer are foreigners. They're no longer strangers, but they are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. You know, friends, we, uh, in past days, we've tried to accentuate the fact that we are, um, we are citizens of the United States of America, right? We have citizenship. Well, I dare say there's one citizenship that's even higher than that. As much as we love our country, as much as we're honored to be Americans, there is that citizenship that we have with God and God's people that is a higher calling, a higher calling. And we hear from God himself. We're no longer strangers. We're fellow citizens. We're even sisters and brothers in Christ. The new church that God has established through Christ is one where there is no Jew, no Gentile, no rich, no poor, no male, no female, no young, no old, uh, no educated or uneducated. Uh, There's no Democrat or Republican or independent. All of these tags uh, come together to say whoever we are in the mix of all of that, we are one in Christ. We are citizens in the kingdom of God. There's no exclusion here. No exclusion. And catching Paul's fervency of prayer begins by humbly thanking God for giving us what we do not deserve and have not earned to be, have a place in God's family. That is an act of grace we, we, we can't earn it. We, we don't deserve it. But it's given joyfully by a God who calls us into citizenship one with another. Now, after humbly thanking God, Paul prays this. In the 16th verse, we read this. I pray that out of his glorious riches... We may, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. How many of us right now need to know that the Holy Spirit is going to give us power and strength in our inner being? And we need that so right now. Paul has been talking about suffering in the earlier chapters in Ephesians. He's in prison. He suffered greatly. And the strength that he is talking about is so that he can face even more suffering that he knows is on the horizon. Suffering even either in the form of persecution from others or tribulations that will 
uh, come upon him uh, or even death that he knows is impending. Paul reminds the Ephesians that Christ's power to strengthen and to transform their lives and his life is not something they experience in isolation, but they experience together as citizens, one with another. We are meant to move from the me to the we. We are meant to pray that God will help them as well as me. You know, Sunday night, the All Saints Sunday, uh, came to an end. It started in the morning, but it ended with a great concert in the evening. You know, the celebration that started in the morning started with our traditional roll call of the saints, which we do every year, every year, and have done for decades. I knew most all of the people whose names were read very well. And I knew them to be young, too old to have died. And and I knew them to be some over a hundred years old who lived such a rich and faithful life before us. I don't know who among them were Republicans or Democrats or Independents or Libertarians. I don't know how many times they have found themselves in a, a, a voting booth or at a polling place. But I do know that we were drawn together to celebrate their their life and the fact that they had outrun us to heaven because we are all citizens in the kingdom of God and called to be people of prayer. God's way is the way of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and generosity and faithfulness and self-control and that's the way we live as citizens. I do know that the saints we celebrate were not perfect in life. But I also know that we have uh, the scripture that says we are made perfect when we submit to the Holy Spirit and we're made perfect in glory when our race on earth is done and completed in eternity. We found ourselves praying for others last Sunday, as I hope we do today. We were praying for individuals. We were praying for families who were in our midst, who had lost loved ones in the course of the year. Some of them were still reeling from that pain of loss. It was a compassionate celebration of life and the eternal rewards of God's gifts of grace that we don't deserve, we can't earn, but are given to us so freely. And one of the strongest statements of we that we made last Sunday was that we celebrated Holy Communion. The ultimate reminder that through Christ's suffering, death and resurrection, we're reminded that we are not alone, that God is with us. And in the breaking of the bread and in the drinking of the cup, we are reminded again that we worship a God who has suffered and who has conquered And who is with us, who hears our prayers. We're drawn to the table as citizens, one with another. You know, the music took on a a level of worship in the evening that filled me so with the Spirit. I was so moved by the voices and the 
the text of the hymns and the, the psalm text that were read and the testimony that was shared. It was powerful. And we're all hungry for that kind of understanding of who we are together, of who we are as fellow citizens, as who we are as the church. And and we're fed. We don't go away hungry. God makes sure we are fed by His Spirit. You know, today is a normal custom around here that we practice monthly, and that is that we have a prayer shawl Sunday when you can pick up a prayer shawl here at the church that was, um, uh, that was knitted by one of our faithful um, knit, pearl, and pray uh, members who've been doing this for years and years, who have shared thousands of prayer shawls with people. How do we do that? Well, this, this team that knits pearls and prays, they make the prayer shawls available, and we, the community, we pick them up and we take them to our family members and friends as an act of love to remind them of that ultimate act of, act of love that we are praying for them and that people they don't even know will be praying for them. You know, I'd like to add a dimension this morning to our prayer shawl Sunday. Uh, There'll be people here throughout the morning who'll be picking up a prayer shawl and taking it to friends or family members. Or we can, of course, make one available to you anytime through the week. We can even mail one to you if you request it. But this added dimension. During this very contentious time, You may have felt like you've hurt someone, and and you really know it. And the Holy Spirit keeps reminding you of it. How about picking up a prayer shawl and letting it be a gift that you offer to another as a way of moving the spirit of forgiveness in your midst? It could very well be healing. Some of you know people who are very disappointed right now because of the election. Uh, They had a lot invested in it or, or, or they wanted a certain outcome that didn't happen. What about thinking about um, picking up a prayer shawl for one of them and in doing so, passing that on as a prayer of encouragement. You know, prayers for healing as individuals and as a nation are in need right now. And perhaps we can transform this practice that's been going on for years here of providing prayer shawls to members of the community to share our prayers with others can be taken to this time of deeper division. And our felt need for healing so that we can encourage one another, can find forgiveness in the midst of this time, and can also be on our way to a healing that God desires for all of us. Friends, I know we're going to have a pastoral prayer in a moment that, that Randall will bring for us along with the Lord's Prayer. 
But I thought it'd be fitting this morning if I offered a prayer to end this sermon on prayer that perhaps will center us on our need for forgiveness and our need for healing. Let us pray. Dear loving and healing Lord of Lords, King of Kings, we stand humbly before you in need of your healing and love to be contagious from heart to heart. We've been in a season that has been in many ways as cold as the coldest winter and as heated as the hottest summer. And we long for a spring full of new life. But it's fall, November, an election year. And we are changing into beautiful colors and falling dead to the ground all at the same time. Our hurtful words have benefited no one, reflected no fruit of the Spirit. Some were meant to sting. Most words have often concerned very little understanding of truth. And from our own free will, we have consciously chosen wrongly and let hate cut out love, words become daggers, and joyful relationship Relational connections be dismissed, diminished, and even disregarded. Soften our hearts, precious Lord, where we can be happy for those who celebrate a felt need for change and perceived progress. And may we also cry with those who cry with the heavy burden of disappointment and loss. Let us all say in unison, let healing begin with me, O Lord. And wherever we are, let us not gloat, accuse, label, stir fear, engage in social hate speech, be unkind. Uh, don't allow us to do any of that. Allow us not to disregard you, sweet Holy Spirit who can move us to a place of redeeming relationships and reconciliation one with another. Lord, bless President Trump and Vice President Pence as they deal with the fleeting hope of re-election and defeat. Let them not see themselves as loser, losers and raise them to a place to celebrate the good that did transpire in their season. And bless with wisdom these whom we have now heard called President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris, as they aspire to choose leaders as a cabinet, guide their choices. As they move forward, may they truly follow through on reaching across the aisle to offer grace and inclusion for everyone, all fellow Americans. Take away, O oh Lord, our bent to sinning, and dividing that only appears to reduce your children into merely winners and losers. Keep our eyes on you, sweet Jesus, and on our faith, which must rise above the dust and the ash of all elections past. Give us a hunger for healing 
that will only be satisfied by us literally and figuratively breaking the bread and drinking the cup and hearing the words one with another, your sins are forgiven. God bless us with your peace that passes all of our understanding. And to you, living Lord, we will be careful to give all glory, honor, and praise. Amen and amen.